Hello, and welcome to a more perfect podcast. Today, we will be going over the George Floyd incident, the case that has shook our nation for weeks and weeks and weeks now, the case that has caused riots across the country, protests, businesses being burned, socialists roaming the streets, and chaos, complete chaos, false narratives, people subscribing to a movement that they know nothing and I really do mean nothing about, as well as a bunch of other horrors. It's completely terrible. It is very sad. And today we're going to be breaking down, bit by bit, what actually happened to kick off all this stuff. And it starts with a man named Derek Chauvin and George Floyd. As much as they'll tell you, oh, there were a bunch of cases before that, you know, this is the narrative that's been going on for a while. This is the spark that started it. That's why we're focusing on this. So, in case you've been living under a rock, George Floyd was a black man who was killed on May 25th, 2020 at 9.25 p.m. He was killed, and there's a huge reason I say this that we'll get into later in the episode, allegedly, by a police officer. The police officer's name was Derek Chauvin. The killing in which Derek Chauvin places his knee upon George Floyd's neck as he cries out, I can't breathe, took 8 minutes and 46 seconds until George Floyd was dead. And it was entirely caught on camera. Cell phone camera. You know, it's always a cell phone camera. The subsequent video went viral and caused nationwide protests and riots as well as an international response. This guy's death really did change the world. So that's just one analysis. Think of this episode like a camera. You put your lens on your camera and you get three different zooms. So that was like, you know, you're all the way zoomed out. You can't really see a lot of detail. Now imagine the camera going click. Now you're in the second zoom setting. And now we're going to go into a little bit more detail. Okay, so it's the second round of detail out of three. And so that picture, it didn't include that Floyd was actually arrested for using counterfeit bills. The phone call to the police complained that Floyd was, this is a direct quote, quote, awfully drunk, and not in control of himself. There were four officers that arrived at the scene. Derek Chauvin, the previously mentioned officer that eventually killed Floyd, Toy Thao, Alexander Kung, and Thomas Lane. Depending on how we interpret the word resistance, Floyd did not resist while being handcuffed when the officers arrived. When I say resistance, I mean active resistance, right? So when most people think of resisting the police or resisting arrest, you're thinking of what's called active resistance. Active resistance is when you punch or kick, maybe physically assault an officer to get away from him to avoid being arrested. There's actually another type of resistance, and that's what's known as passive resistance. And this is where it gets a little bit more dicey. We'll get into that later when we go into the whole legal side of things, but for now, we're going to interpret resistance as what, as what I just said, which was active resistance. And as far as actively resisting, eh, I mean, I, I don't see that Floyd actively resisted at all. I mean, he wasn't punching, he wasn't kicking, he complied with the officer's demands. I would give him, if, if this was the doctor's office, I'd give him a clean bill of health, honestly. I really would. But unfortunately, the, the law may see it differently, but we'll get into that later. So now you're going to take your camera 
and you're going to click it into third lens. If you're if you've been following this, you know, fairly closely, you'll you'll notice that most news outlets they go somewhere between the first and the second lens, okay? And then if the outlet's trying to maybe criticize Floyd a little bit more or trying to criticize Chauvin a little bit more, they're going to go and delve into this third analysis. So, so once again, in the third analysis, the first two remain the same. All those facts remain valid because, you know, they're, they're facts. I mean, they don't change. What? Now we're going to get into some of the stuff surrounding the case as well as the histories of the individuals involved. Police departments around Minneapolis, where the George Floyd murder took place, were shocked at the policy of neck restraints that was still in place in Minneapolis. You could still put your knee on somebody's neck, and that was in the code of the Minneapolis Police Department. Every, like all the police departments around there, they didn't. They had struck down that policy a, a while ago. I mean, compared to Minneapolis, the Miami police chief said that. They don't do that policy at all. What, what they do is they actually put their knee on the suspect's shoulder, which is a lot more safer than pinning them down by the neck. It's worth noting that as far as, uh, as far as my knowledge goes, both of these policies can only be enacted if the officer's life is in literal danger. Derek Chauvin's life was not in danger. I mean, it, it just doesn't seem like that. The officers that were around him, Again, that's Toy Thao, Alexander Kung, and Thomas Lane. Now we're going to go into them because I feel like they've not been focused on a lot. And, you know, that's understandable. Um, I, I just feel like we need to focus on everything, completely understand every detail about this case to form a valid opinion on it. Okay, you can, you can think whatever you want. And most of our consensuses are the same. That Actually, all of them should be the same. George Floyd was murdered unjustly. George Floyd was a victim of police brutality. It's so obvious. We are all united on that. I think that the spread of this knowledge and the complete understanding of the case will, will merit a more informed, maybe not valid, because, you know, there's obviously only one way to look at this, a more informed point of view. So anyways, w without further ado, those officers were being trained by Derek Chauvin. Derek Chauvin was the supervising, managing officer. One of the officers, and look, I'm not going to go into all three of them, but Alexander Kung was actually working his third shift as a fully-fledged officer. Thomas Lane, he was working his fourth day on the force. That's according to New Yorker. Does that really matter? No. What they did was wrong, they, or they should have told Chauvin to stop, no matter what the issue was. I do, again, I, I believe in knowing all the details, and that's just the detail that's been overlooked. So quick update while I was editing the episode, the transcripts to the actual incident came out. And what they reveal is that Thomas Lane actually did ask Chauvin to roll over George Floyd on his side. Um, not once, but twice, actually. So I guess, you know, you kind of have to include that if you want to talk about the officers and how they didn't tell Chauvin to stop. Um, they did suggest a alternative means of action uh, with Floyd, and so thus it becomes kind of murky. That's up to the jury to decide, though, whether these men are guilty of aiding and abetting murder, which is what they're being charged with, by the way. It's tricky, and it's up to them to decide again, but I felt like I should include that, 
Um, but literally, like, the news came out as I was editing the episode. So, yeah. All right. Let's get back to it. But what is important is not necessarily understanding those three officers, the other three officers' history, but what is very important is understanding Chauvin's history. So if we go into Chauvin's history, there's a lot there. He wasn't the greatest cop. So I'm, I'm sure you've heard, you know, a lot about this. Um, you know, Derek Chauvin was a corrupt cop, stuff like that. Some numbers have him at 12 complaints. Higher counters have him at 18 complaints, depending on how you look at it. I put the number somewhere in between there. Point being that this guy had a lot of complaints against him. If that's any indicator of how corrupt a cop is, Chauvin was pretty high on the totem pole, if I do say so myself. Uh, one of the complaints against Chauvin complained against him using foul language in the force, and not only that, but ripping a woman out of her car just because she was like not complying with a speeding ticket or whatever. It was... he. It seems like he goes a little bit too far, um, a, a little bit too far, a lot too far. He, he wasn't a good cop to begin with. So obviously, non-good cops, corrupt cops, they deserve charges. The charges against Chauvin are as follows. Initially, the charges were a third-degree murder charge. But then Floyd's family responded that they wanted a first-degree murder charge. And then uh, hashtag raise the degree was the number one trending hashtag on Twitter. An online petition for that said that it, it got millions of millions of signatures. Now, the current charges against him stand as second-degree murder. This type of murder charge is commonly known as felony murder, where a person who unintentionally causes a death while perpetrating a crime may be punished as harshly as the one who intentionally commits murder, on the theory that the punishment strongly deters people from engaging in the underlying conduct. So what that basically means is that... If you commit a crime and you murder somebody, you're going to be charged likewise to the person that killed somebody on purpose. It's basically like if you robbed the house and you killed somebody. You would be charged with second degree murder. You killed somebody while you were committing a felony. Stuff like that. Now, obviously, people are never going to be satisfied with this. They want, you know, first degree murder charge because, you know, nobody knows the law. So the legal case against Chauvin is quite difficult, actually. I'm going to do my best to explain why, but I will also link the article down below so you can read it for yourself. It writes that there's six facts that are being omitted from the discussion about the legal case against Chauvin. One, George Floyd was experiencing cardiopulmonary and psychological distress, meaning his heart was having problems and he was really frazzled. Minutes before he was placed to the ground, let alone had a knee to his neck. Two, the Minneapolis Police Department allows to use the neck restraint on suspects who actively resist arrest. And George Floyd actively resisted arrest on two occasions, including immediately prior to neck restraint being used. This is, you know, debated. I would say that he passively restrained, or he passively resisted, but... The officers were recorded on their body cams assessing George Floyd as suffering from excited delirium syndrome. This is very important. A condition which the Minneapolis Police Department considers a extreme threat to both the officers and the suspect. A white paper used by the Minneapolis Police Department acknowledges that excited delirium syndrome suspects may die irrespective of force involved. The officer's response to this situation was actually in line with the Minneapolis Police Department's guidelines for excited delirium syndrome. What it's saying in those first three things is Chauvin may have actually responded correctly due to the situation involved. All of this is, is going to cast doubt on the seemingly clear fact that 
Chauvin killed Floyd. And I look, I don't mean to, you know, exonerate Floyd. Again, my personal opinion is that Chauvin killed Floyd, but it's worthwhile to examine it just so we won't be surprised if he gets let off his murder charge. So the facts continue. Fourth, restraining the suspect on his or her abdomen, which is, you know, like laying them belly down, is a common tactic in excited delirium distress situations. And the white paper used by the Minneapolis Police Department instructs the officers to control the suspect until paramedics arrive. Five, Floyd's autopsy revealed a potentially lethal concoction of drugs, not just a potentially lethal dose of fentanyl, but also methamphetamine. Both autopsies came back with that, by the way. Together with his history of drug abuse and two serious heart conditions, Floyd's condition was exceptionally and unusually fragile. I'm quoting directly from the article with this. Six, this is actually the most heavy point that they make in this article examining the legal case. Chauvin's neck restraint is unlikely to have exerted a dangerous amount of force to Floyd's neck. Floyd is shown on video, able to lift his head and neck, and a robust study into double knee restraints showed a medium force exertion of approximately uh, about 105 pounds. Now, look, none of this is... I'm, look, I'm not trying to let Chauvin off the charge. I, I want to be completely clear with that. I'm not trying to let anyone off the charge, okay? I believe what he did was wrong. I believe what happened is tragic. But to really have a full understanding, we must understand everything. And this is just the uncomfortable facts. Chauvin could be let off his case just because of these facts. And if they make the case well enough, he could be, he could be out of there. If Chauvin didn't do it, then we still got to uphold our institutions and we still got to charge everybody the same and equally. Just looking at it from a bird's eye perspective, I, don't, I really don't know how you, find a, how you find a neutral jury on a case like this. That's something for them to figure out. The article says that while the officers may still be found guilty of manslaughter, the probability of a guilty verdict for the murder charge is low. And the public should be aware of this well in advance of the verdict. It's why I'm making you guys aware of it. It's important to note that when I said you know, he's falling to the ground earlier. They actually make that case that he's um, suffering from excited delirium syndrome. So th that is worth noting. The excited delirium syndrome could be something that you hear a lot about in the next few weeks as this case moves forward. The other officers, however, they got a little bit more lucky. Alexander Kung, for instance, he was let out of prison. He was bailed out. I don't know who bailed him out. Um, if I had to take a wild guess, it's probably the police union. Um, they have the money to do that. But what's really disgusting is another thing. He was shopping in a store, right? He was shopping in a place called Cub Foods. And this woman literally comes up to him and just assaults him. Like she just disparages on him. He he was just trying to shop in his in the store like, like any other person. I mean, like let a man have a freaking break. Like what, what that woman did, what the woman did is absolutely disgusting. You can listen to it yourself here. What's your name? Oh yeah, that's me. It is you. Mm -hmm. So you're out of prison yeah. and you're comfortably shopping in Cup Foods as if you didn't do anything. I'm not, well, I wouldn't call it comfortably. I would just say getting necessities or helping. Do you, I don't think you should have that right. I don't even think you should be out on bail. I can understand. I that. mean, how does it feel? I'm sorry you feel that way. No, you're not sorry. Like, you're literally outside here comfortably as if you didn't kill that man? Did you think that people weren't gonna recognize you? Honestly, did you? 
You don't have the right to be here. Okay. You, you you killed somebody in cold blood. You do not have the right to be here. I understand. I'll get my stuff paid for. No, we don't want you to get your stuff. We want you to be locked up. You're honestly in Kaboos comfortably shopping. Out of prison. Like, do you feel any remorse for what you did? Do you? This is the officer who was let out of jail today for shooting George Floyd. Or, I'm sorry, suffocating him. You're not going to be able to comfortably go around Minnesota like this. I pulled up the picture. I knew it was you. It's just like he was there when they were killing him. And it's just like this is crazy that you're here just thinking everything's okay. I mean, you don't want to apologize. You don't want to say anything like, no. Because this video is going to be on the internet. Yeah, he has the nerve to literally come outside thinking that we don't know what he looks like. How dare you? You're not going to be able to come to live in Minnesota after that or anywhere. And you will be going back to jail. Trust. Trust. Yeah, he bailed out. How'd you get the money? How'd you get the money? And you're lucky that they don't have your address. You're lucky that they don't have your address. Hi. This is the, one of the police officers that was involved in killing George Floyd. He was out on bail today. And he's over here comfortably shopping in Kapoos as if. People like that, you gotta wonder what's going on in their head, you know? Who would actually do something like that in the store? Like, ooh, man, I'm really fighting for justice today. Like, I'm just gonna ruin this man's day and endanger his safety. What, a, what, what, I'm sorry, but what an asshole. What kind of a person do you have to be to do that? That's not fighting for justice. You're just being a jerk. You're being a complete jerk. It's disgusting. The conduct of people, people have totally forgotten what it really means to be a good and decent citizen, as we'll get into in future episodes. We're really going down the pile, guys. I mean, that woman is just one of many. Just one of many. Speaking of despicable, there's been a whole bunch of lies about George Floyd and Derek Chauvin, the murderer that happened on social media, as well as spread across the news and all of that. So we're going to be going into some of those to just clear them up for the record. Number one is the nightclub myth. So this is where the people that are pushing for George Floyd's sentence, or sorry, Derek Chauvin's sentence to be upgraded to a first-degree murder, this is where they get it. See, they think that Floyd may have actually known Chauvin, and thus that Chauvin was premeditating or thinking about beforehand Floyd's murder. And this just isn't true. See, there was a co-worker of theirs that said that, oh, they knew each other, you know, they talked all the time. But then later on, actually the next day after it was reported, they retracted the statement. So it was all just a blunder by the media, and it was all just a blunder by that guy. And it really just kind of set the nation on a firestorm because imagine if, you know, Chauvin had known who George Floyd was. Like, how despicable would that be? So, no, Derek Chauvin and George Floyd did not know each other. Second is the racism myth. So there was this photo that was circulating around the internet. This photo was circulated thinking that either A, George Floyd was a MAGA supporter, so he had a MAGA hat on, or B, he had a MAGA hat on that said, Make Whites Great Again, 
which was their attempt to frame Derek Chauvin as a racist. What it actually turned out to be was a professional troll named Jonathan Lee Riches. Huffington Post even did an article on him in 2019. This guy is like a professional troll master, okay? It's what he does. And it went viral. I think, I think even Ice Cube retweeted it and posted it on his Instagram. And it all turned out to be false. So no, there is no evidence that Derek Chauvin was a racist. Even if you, if you really went to scrape the bottom of the barrel, the manager to the nightclub that Chauvin was working at as a police officer, so he would sit outside, you know, do his, maybe do his paperwork and then go on if things got bad. Uh, she said that, oh, the, oh Chauvin, Chauvin would use pepper spray and stuff like that. Like, one person's testimony is not, is not enough to frame somebody as a racist. I feel like it is way too, we're way too trigger happy to label people as racist. Like, there is no evidence that Chauvin was a racist or that this killing was racially motivated in any way, shape, or form. So that's just a despicable lie. But you know what's even more worse? What's, e what's probably the worst thing I've ever seen is the next one. Some people have literally been calling George Floyd, and I quote, Saint George Floyd. They're trying to call this guy a saint. This article says, not because he was perfect, as we misunderstand saints to be, but because like Saint George of England, who struggled with the fire-breathing dragon that was the devil, Today's St. George struggled with the devil of discrimination. He struggled with a fire-breathing dragon that, like all fire, stole his oxygen and robbed him of the breath of life. Shut up. Shut up. This guy was not a saint. This guy was totally not a saint. And let me tell you exactly, exactly why he was not a saint. This is beyond not perfect. This guy was a, this guy was a criminal. And like I, I hate to say it. This doesn't change the fact that he did die unjustly. And this doesn't change the fact that he did not deserve to die. But if you're going to label him a saint, man, you got to find better saints. Now we're going to go into George Floyd's history because it's not pretty. So in 2007, George Floyd was among a group of men who in Houston robbed a woman's house. And George Floyd took a pistol, pointed it at a pregnant woman's stomach, forced her into her living room while the other men in his group or his gang robbed the woman and ransacked her house. It's awful. He was also arrested for drugs before that, I think, or maybe it was around that same time. And also, on the autopsy report, they found fentanyl and methamphetamine in his system. This is quite possibly the worst saint I've ever heard of. And anyone that's calling this guy St. George or going and writing a blog about how, oh, bro, I visited George Floyd's memorial today and it was like, it was like a pilgrimage. Like, dude, he's just a human and he didn't even live a very good life of that. Like, again, it doesn't take away the fact that he died unjustly. I gotta make that completely clear. But, you, you, look, you gotta find better saints. I mean, we can't keep praising these men, and that's what they are, they're men, as godlike figures. It's just, it's not right. I mean, look, I get it, right? Like, 
Black Lives Matter has never been that fond of Christianity anyway. You look at what Sean King did in wanting to tear down the Jesus statues and this idolization of George Floyd. Trust me, it's gone beyond mourning when you say St. George or when you put a halo around his head and you start writing blog posts about how a visit to his memorial was like a pilgrimage. It's gone beyond mourning. It's now like nearly sacrilegious. And that crap, it just doesn't slide. I mean, again, the, these are the same people that wanted to tear down Jesus statues, that wanted to burn churches, and in some cases did. I mean, we'll be going over that in the next episode, but, you know, slight spoiler, they burned the churches. And these are the same people that attacked churchgoers as they were going into church. The, these people, let's just say that at least some of them certainly are not what I'd call Christian at all. So in the autopsy report, not mentioning his previous arrests with drugs and his run-ins with the law, Floyd had methamphetamine and fentanyl in his system. As I alluded to earlier when I was discussing the legal case against Chauvin or for Chauvin, that's just another reason why you shouldn't Let's just say this guy wasn't exactly the most praiseworthy fellow in the world. I'd like to repeat one more time that when I'm discussing this guy's history, it has nothing to do with his death. Man could have robbed houses all his life, and he could have gotten killed unjustly. That makes his killing unjust. It doesn't change the fact at all that he died unjustly. And so, once again... I wanted to make that clear, because I know some people are going to be like, oh, he's a shadow racist. He's secretly racist, and that's why he's criticizing George Floyd after his death. What a despicable human being. I'm not that, you idiots. So to finish up today's episode, I wanted to make a few points about the entire case and the entire George Floyd killing. George Floyd wasn't an innocent man. However, that doesn't mean we should just ignore his death, or we should discredit his death. The man didn't deserve to die, and that's just the end of story. Anybody that's saying, oh, he deserved to die, or oh, he got what was coming for him, come on now. You can do better than that. The George Floyd killing has also set off a wildfire of riots and a hot flash in the ongoing culture war inside of the United States. Details on that will be included in future episodes. We can also agree that the debate formed and sparked off on Floyd, but it really morphed into a hard front against a myth known as systemic racism, the corruption and total misrepresentation of the history of the greatest nation on earth, the United States, and the advocation for police department's abolition inside of America. These concepts will also be covered in the episodes, coming shortly. One of the final points I have to make is that George Floyd did have a criminal record. However, when you're talking about how he died, it's 
not really important at all to acknowledge. The only way it's important to acknowledge is when you're forming your own opinion and you're forming your own view. Then you have to know everything. But again, as I said earlier, the man could have robbed houses all his life and the way that he died still is wrong. It's still trash and it deserves to be investigated if Chauvin killed him, he deserves to be prosecuted to the full extent of the law at the end of the day. That's just the cold hard truth. We still have a system at the end of the day and we ought to uphold it, no matter how much people want to tear it down. It isn't our place to judge George Floyd. It's only God's place. Only God can do that, you know? There's a lot of fluff in politics and I think that Floyd's record isn't necessarily, if you want to use a court term, I don't believe it's admissible when you're talking about his death. Floyd literally could have been any one of us. I mean, seriously. You heard me go over Chauvin's record. Just check it. Floyd could have been you or I even if we didn't commit a crime. Because with a corrupt officer like Chauvin, all bets are off. And I'm serious. Chauvin was an example of what cops should not be. And he's an example of somebody slipping through the system. The truth is that as much people want to blame and villainize police departments, they do have regulations in place to destroy and discredit and expunge themselves of the virus of bad cops. But that didn't happen here. Chauvin still walked the streets at the end of the day, and up until his fateful incident, he was never arrested. In fact, out of all those, what did I say, 12 or 17 complaints, only once did he ever receive a kind of reprehendation. For some time, Floyd is going to sear our conscience, and it isn't every day that you see such an awful, heinous crime. It's certainly been searing my conscience, and it hurts me to see somebody suffering. It pains me to see anyone being unjustly and very brutally killed. The purpose of this episode was really just to cope with it in my own way, which happens to be an investigation. Acknowledgement, a fact here, does not equal slander. You would have to be a complete idiot to think that was what I was doing here. An acknowledgement of fact in this case also does not equal disparagement. I'm not knocking Floyd for the 50th billionth time. I do believe that a complete understanding of Floyd would be doing justice to such an important issue. Misrepresenting the case would be the exact opposite, however. Emphasizing the good or the bad depends on your view and what you think is important. However, an incomplete understanding or misconstrued view bent on lack of knowledge would be a terrible move and an absolute discredit to the situation and the graveness of our current debacle at hand. Acknowledgement of the comfortable and the uncomfortable, in my opinion, will always grant a solid view or at least an informed one. Remember, don't be the 1619 Project Always be informed about all of the details before you start spouting your own narrative or your own viewpoint. You gotta be informed, otherwise you're never gonna get anywhere. The news is not going to inform you anymore. The news is all about pushing the narrative and making the money. I hate to bring this up, and you guys probably already knew it, but at least in the United States, our mainstream news is run by five major corporations, among them Disney and others. They all have interests and they're all 
pushing their own narratives to attract their own audiences. It's like the biggest YouTube operation of all time, except they're out to influence public opinion and they're out to sway elections. They're out to sway opinions on everything from social issues to foreign policy. I encourage you to look up yellow journalism and how it almost caused or it actually contributed to wars in our history. Don't trust the media. You have to go out there and do your own research. I have linked every single article I've read, every single blog post I've read, every single thing that I've ever looked at down in the episode links and sources below. You can click on the pastebin link and it'll take you to this little online Word document and then you can click on all my sources there and you can check them out if you want to. I actually do encourage you to so you can get into all the nitty-gritty details that I didn't, you know, I didn't figure should be covered here. Moving forward, we're going to be covering systemic racism and the riots that have torn our nation apart and left businesses burned, lives destroyed, and the entire future of the United States, and I am not making this up and I am not exaggerating, the entire future of the United States in jeopardy. You need to be worried. For now, though, have a more perfect day.